Good morning, friends. Uh, today we're going to continue our little journey through the book of Jonah. This is actually now <clears throat> part three. I'm going to entitle this A Desperate Man's Desperate Prayer. And our text is Jonah chapter two. When we last left Jonah, he was in the belly of the great fish. He's in a bad fix in a bad way. To paraphrase Samuel Johnson, nothing clears the mind like the certain knowledge that you will be shot in the morning. And that's obviously true. If a man knows he's going to be shot very soon, it has a way of clearing the mind of trivial details. You don't worry about washing your car if you're going to be shot at sunrise. I mean, somebody else can wash that car. You've got bigger things to worry about. So it was for Jonah. But first he needs to come to his senses. Now, not long ago, I had the chance to spend uh, some time with a man who's involved with ministry uh, to some struggling students. Now, occasionally he's faced with difficult disciplinary decisions when the young people break the rules of his group, his organization. He told me, I've dealt with everything you can imagine, every sort of sexual sin, cheating, breaking the law, you name it, I've seen it. Now, this organization has an established set of procedures in place to deal with those who get in trouble, and often they can help the young people make amends and set their lives on a new path. Now, when he, while we talked, he, he shared a couple of comments that kept stuck with me. First of all, he's learned that lying has almost become a non-issue today. I mean, everyone lies, and they lie all the time. It's almost as if it's not a sin to lie anymore. Uh, maybe it's a sign of postmodern relativism that we have come to accept that lying isn't wrong. Or maybe it's just fulfillment of Romans 3.13. Their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. After discussing how people routinely lie to cover up their sin, he offered this conclusion. You can't help a liar. Now, you can help people that are struggling with any sort of sin as long as they tell the truth. But you can't help a liar because you can't trust anything they say. The situation is compounded by the fact that when most of us get caught, we confess as little as possible. And that leads to the second point that he made that I recall. He said this, the man said that it's always a good sign when they tell you something um, you didn't already know. I mean, if you knew ABC, but the person then adds DEF, you know the repentance is deeper than just, I'm sorry, I've got caught. And certainly I found that true as I work with guys in prison. See, true repentance always involves coming clean. And coming clean means owning up to the whole pattern of wrongdoing, not just to the thing you happen to get caught doing. Proverbs 28.13 says, He who conceals his sins does not prosper, but whoever confesses and renounces them finds mercy. The Bible also says in one of my favorite passages, 1 John 1.9, <clears throat> If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. In Psalm 51 uh, says God desires truth in the inward parts, or as Eugene Peterson put it in the message, truth from the inside out. You know, it's very hard for most of us to come to this place of total honesty with God and with others. Most of us face a continual battle to be transparent in all of our dealings, especially when we have sinned. So you can make a pretty good case that the three hardest words to say are, I have sinned. Let's be honest, no one really wants to say that. We'd rather do anything, include lying, to keep from saying those words. We'll make excuses, we'll rationalize, we'll twist the facts, we'll blame others. We'll say things like, it's not my fault, or she made me do it, or, or so what? I mean, everyone else is doing it. 
the excuses never seem to end. But friends, let's lay down a marker here at the start of this message. The marker is this. It's a good mark of spiritual health if it's becoming easier for you to say, I was wrong. That's a good sign because it means you're taking responsibility for your own actions. It means you're ready to get your life right with God. It means you're ready to start going again. They say that every sermon should have an application, so let me give you mine even before we get to our text. Here's what I'd like you to do. Take a Bible plus a notebook and a pen and find a quiet place. Then pray this simple prayer. Lord, show me the truth about myself. Those seven words, Lord, show me the truth about myself, are all you need to say. Then, well, then wait for God to speak to you. You see, when we pray this way, the answer will begin to come from heaven. Little by little, the Holy Spirit will show us our weaknesses, our faults, our mistakes, our bad attitudes, our foolish words, our pride, our arrogance, our need to be in control, our need to tell others what to do, our desire to have our own way, our anger, our bitterness, our lack of mercy, our lack of love, our lack of compassion. And I know from personal experience that if you wait long enough, the Lord will always reveal the truth to you. But let's be honest, it's hard to do this. And so God knows that, and so sometimes he forces the issue. Sometimes God puts us in places where we must face the consequences of our own stupid choices. See, he won't take sin in stride. He won't say boys will be boys or girls will be girls. He is passionate for holiness. He loves us too much to let us go on in sin forever. And that's the truth that Jonah is about to find out about in a hard way. In Jonah chapter 2, the disobedient prophet finds himself in the belly of a great fish. Now, we don't know what sort of fish it was. We do know that the Lord appointed the fish to catch and swallow Jonah alive. It's a divine miracle that the fish appeared at just the right moment, in just the right place, with just the right appetite to swallow Jonah, but not to kill him or maim him in the process. Now, can you imagine what it was like inside that fish? I mean, I've never been there, but I'm sure it would be dark. You probably couldn't move around much. The fish is swimming constantly. Salt water is washing over you. You got seaweed wrapping around your body, unidentified objects knocking against you. Uh, one other thing, the inside of a fish really stinks. Plus, it's greasy, it's slippery, and the fish is actually trying to digest you. And now in chapter 2, verse 1, it says, From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. While he is inside the fish, he composes a beautiful prayer that takes the form of a psalm. And this is where we're going to pick it up next week. Until then, see the vision, live the mission, and feel the passion.